Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. And by Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to our show, number 959. Well, there's trouble up in Canada where two environmental groups are suing the Canadian government for what the groups say is the government's failure to provide protection for birds that they promised to provide. A court case is in the works And we're working on securing a guest for an upcoming show to shed some extra light on the situation. Those groups, by the way, that are suing are the Sierra Club of British Columbia and the Wilderness Committee. We'll start off this morning way south of Canada with audio postcards from Utah and Louisiana about a couple of very tall birds, starting off with a postcard from Paul Gardner out in the Beehive State. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, everybody. This is Paul Gardner, and I am in the San Pete Valley, west of Ephraim, Utah. And those obviously were sandhill cranes flying right over. It is a spot where they they pass through here as they migrate. In the spring, a few will stick around and nest here, but uh, but during migration, we can get quite a few. I saw 62 the other day. I just love that call. It's like it's like something from from millions of years ago, and it's amazing too. Not only the beauty of it, but but the anatomical adaptation that makes it possible. The way their trachea doesn't go straight down into their lungs, but but is curved around so it's lengthened, so they can make that that wondrous call that sounds like it came from the Jurassic. Well, there you go. There's a few thoughts for you. Best birding to you there, Ray. Thank you, Paul. And now about 1,700 miles southeast of where Paul is watching those cranes, Dr. Jim Randolph is checking out some other long-legged birds. Hello, Jim. Good morning, Ray and Talking Birds listeners. Jim Randolph birding at Louisiana's Lake Catherine, east of New Orleans although the eBird hotspot has been renamed Flamingo Pond. Yes, Dave and I are here on famous U.S. Highway 90, seeing one of the Hurricane Idalia dispersed American flamingos about an hour from our Mississippi Gulf Coast home. There won't be any bird calls in the background, even though we have about 28 species on our eBird list so far, unless a laughing gull dive bombs us. But you will hear the cars zooming by at 70 miles per hour. Besides, have you ever heard of flamingos call? Melodic isn't the descriptive that comes to mind. From Florida to Wisconsin, enjoy this dispersal while it lasts and hope for some recolonization of its traditional range. Happy birding, everyone. All right, thank you, Jim. By the way, Audubon, Florida's Jerry Lawrence says it might be decades before we know for sure whether flamingos are at home in Florida, as it seems they were a century ago. ago. Here's a quote from him in the news press out of Cape Coral 
Florida. He says, I don't think I'll ever be comfortable with saying we have a resident population. They could just up and go somewhere else. They vanish when they want to. End quote. Well, we're always looking for more audio postcards from wherever you're looking at birds, whether it's in your backyard or far afield or somewhere in between. Just grab your smartphone or digital recording device and make a little recording describing what you're seeing. 30 seconds long, maybe a minute, whatever it takes. And just email the file to ray at talkingbirds.com. Ray at talkingbirds.com. No G in talking. <laughs> That's our mystery bird, but this is not the contest. And the bird is gone anyway, but this is just a preview of our contest coming along a bit later. That's the sound of the bird. It's a medium to large, thick-bodied resident of evergreen forests in Canada in the extreme northern U.S. The male is slate gray overall, white blotching on the lower breast and belly and a broken white line outlining, outlining a black throat. It has red eyebrows or eye combs, female, mostly a mottled gray to rusty color. One of the clues there uh, on our mystery bird contest coming a bit later, and boy, we have some beautiful prizes, including a big bag of our favorite coffee, shade-grown, bird-friendly, and truly delicious birds and beans coffee. And from our new friends and prize providers, Fresh Cut Paper, makers of beautiful life-size pop-up Floral bouquets that are wilt-proof and crafted to last a lifetime and have a small fraction of the carbon footprint of imported flowers. Another reason we're happy to have them as a prize provider on our mystery bird contest. And that's coming along a little bit later on in the show. We want to thank another Talking Birds ambassador helping us get the word out about birds and conservation, and this time from Dorothy Patterson in Boise, Idaho. Dorothy says, I'm a new birder. Talking Birds is my favorite birding podcast. I think we should give a round of applause for Dorothy. <laughs> thank you, Dorothy, up there in the Bluebird State. And uh, here's a friend uh, from our home state of Massachusetts on uh, what he likes about uh, being a Talking Birds ambassador. My name is Bob Dininger, and I'm calling from Westwood, Massachusetts. What I like about being a Talking Birds ambassador is the enthusiasm it creates, and enthusiasm is contagious. Becoming a Talking Birds ambassador allows you to be connected to other people and to share the passion that you have for birds. Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Join today, and thanks. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with Jason Hall. He's the founder of the In Color Birding Club in southeastern Pennsylvania. He'll explain what that club is all about. And also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for Let's Ask Mike Live about bird feeders and how to pick one that's a good idea to pick right there And Let's Ask Mike Live. And up next, a bird often affectionately called Butterbutt is today's featured feathered friend. Among the things that can be said about yellow-rumped warblers is that there are lots of them all over North America and beyond. At this time of year, the yellow-rumped's vibrant colors have become muted 
but in spring and summer, the bird shows off shades of bright yellow, charcoal gray, black, and sharp white. The yellow color shows up on the sides, on the crown of the male, and of course, on the rump. Yellow rumps are fairly large, robust warblers with a sturdy bill and a long, narrow tail. The bird we know was once considered to comprise four separate species. The myrtle warbler, found all across North America, a western counterpart, the Audubon's warbler, the Mexican black-fronted warbler, and the Guatemalan Goldman's warbler. But in 1973, they were lumped and became the yellow-rumped. It's believed that the eastern myrtle form, or subspecies, was separated from the others by glacial development during the Pleistocene era. And the Audubon's form may have originated more recently through hybridization between the myrtle and Mexican forms. Our North American myrtle and Audubon subspecies can be distinguished from one another by their throat colors, white in the myrtle and yellow in the Audubon's. The Cornell Lab of Ornithology points out that the yellow-rumped warbler is the only warbler that can digest the waxes found in fruits like bayberries and that that ability allows them to winter farther north than other warblers, sometimes as far up as Newfoundland. By the way, yellow rumps will sometimes come to backyard feeders for sunflower seed, suet, peanut butter, and raisins. Here's a typical yellow-rumped warbler song. It's Cetophica coronata, the yellow-rumped warbler. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show, number 959. Well, Jason Hall founded the In Color Birding Club in southeastern Pennsylvania in 2021 with the goal of making the birding experience a positive one for BIPOC folks and their allies. And he's here with us via the Zoom machine this morning to tell us more about it. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Ray. How are you? Doing well. Great to have you on with us. And maybe we should start, Jason, with that acronym BIPOC. Uh, For those who aren't familiar, tell us uh, about BIPOC, if you would. Yeah, sure, sure. It's a it's a simple way of describing folks that are typically not of European descent or uh, white folks, as we say plainly, right? So black, indigenous, or persons of color. Um, so this could be anyone across the diaspora. Mm-hmm. Well, you have a quote, by the way, from Drew Lanham, who's uh, an American author and poet, wildlife biologist, and fellow black birder. A quote from him on your website. I'd like to read that and ask you, how it reflects what you're trying to do with the in-color bird club. Here's the quote. The wild things and places belong to all of us. So while I can't fix the bigger problems of race in the United States, can't suggest a means by which I and others like me will always feel safe, I can prescribe a solution in my own small corner. Get more people of color out there. End quote. That sounds like a pretty good description of what you're trying to do in your <laughs> corner of Pennsylvania, Jason, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That is kind of the intention for the In Color Birding Club is to 
create a joyful, safe, and welcoming on-ramp to the activity of birding, or even in some cases, the study of birds for folks that typically would not be exposed to it. In deciding to form the group, how uh, the group? How was that uh, reflective of your own experience as a black birder? Yeah, so uh, the, the the summer of 2020, the events with Christian Cooper in Central Park certainly impacted me. Um, the formation of the first Black Birders Week by a bunch of my my, my fellow Black Birders um, caused me to think more about my own experience in the field and my experiences of racism and exclusionism. Um, and uh, because of those that that Black Birders Week event, I thought it necessary to create a space for uh, people like me and particularly around Philadelphia and southeastern Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. How about recruiting members? How, how do you go about that? And are these are folks generally that are already birders or folks that are mm-hmm. new to birding? Yeah, I'd probably say about 75% of the people that come out to us are new birders, mm-hmm. which is really fantastic. Um, a lot of excitement and joy and sometimes confusion, right, as birding causes. <laughs> um <laughs> The great part about our allies, though, is a lot of our allies, including two of our founding board members, are really good about making sure those new folks are welcomed and not overwhelmed and can come back. Would you des- how would you describe your reception sort of in the local birding community in general? It's been very good. It's been very positive. Every year we make more connections with um other groups, whether they're birding groups or not. There's a a couple of affinity groups here in Philadelphia that we work with often, Mm -hmm. Uh, an adaptive birding group for people with uh, mobility challenges, uh, Feminist Bird Club Philadelphia, and Philly Queer Birders. So the the four of us have been kind of forging forward with some of the existing groups uh, that have been in Philly for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So you're in that corner there of Pennsylvania, the southeast uh, corner, but you're consulting, I believe, right, with uh, folks and other clubs around the country. How how do you approach that? Yeah, so I wouldn't call it formal consulting, uh, but I would would call it sharing knowledge as necessary, right? So I've had conversations with folks uh, with with NHL out at the Oxnard Birders Club, with uh, uh, Dexter Patterson, who folks may know for the uh, BIPOC birders mm-hmm. of Wisconsin. Uh, I've had conversations with folks in Detroit and Chicago who are also starting new things. And um, we just want to share information. We, we, we want people to be successful in this endeavor because it's not always easy. One thing, uh, while we still have just a, a bit of time, there's some pretty big news. The American Ornithological Society announced this week, and they're the group that is recognized as uh, the arbiter of birds' names. In an effort to address past wrongs and engage far more people in the enjoyment, protection, and study of birds, uh, they will be changing all English bird names currently named after people within its geographic jurisdiction. They say they'll also change the process by which English names are selected for bird species. So the effort begins in 2024, focusing initially on 70 to 80 bird species uh, that occur primarily within the U.S. and Canada. Um, Jason, just wanted to get your thoughts on on uh, what, your reaction to this. I am very excited. It's a long time coming. coming. Uh, Jordan Rudder and the folks over at Bird Names for Birds have been tremendous advocates. Mm-hmm. And for us folks in the community that um, are BIPOC or Black and Brown folks, it really means a lot because some of these people, these birds are named after are not people that would have allowed me or someone that looks like me to bird in the field with them mm-hmm. or learn with them. 
Mm-hmm. So it's very important. Uh, these names matter, and um, we're very excited at In Color Brain Club to support this effort. Quite, quite a, a development, and and I think many would say an unexpected one, or at least that was initially the the thought. So you're a local group, but um, but we talked before off the air, Jason, about inviting folks to learn about what you're doing. A best way, maybe through your social media platforms, how you best direct folks there. Yeah, so um, you can hit us up on Instagram at, at In Color Birding Club. Uh, if you go to Facebook and just search In Color Birding Club, you'll find not only our public page, but a private group where we have just bird conversations. Hey, what is this bird? Where do I go to find this? And as usual, uh, an email. So it's info, I-N-F-O, at incolorbirding.org. And you can also visit our website at incolorbirding.org. Wonderful stuff. Jason Hall, founder of the In Color Birding Club in southeastern Pennsylvania, making the birding experience a positive one for BIPOC folks and their allies. Jason, congratulations on, on getting getting all of that going, and uh, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Ray. Y'all have some good birding. Thanks so much. Jason Hall with us here on Talking Birds, and up next, our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight, You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. There's that bird again. It's back. It's our mystery bird. And this is our mystery bird contest. Officially underway and inviting your calls at your earliest opportunity at 781-837-4900. Give that number again in a moment. Our mystery bird is a medium-to-large, thick-bodied resident of evergreen forests in Canada in the extreme northern U.S. The male is slate gray overall with white blotching on the lower breast and belly and a broken white line outlying a, or outlining a black throat, and it has red eyebrows or combs. The female is mostly a, model, a mottled gray to rusty-colored. Our bird, which feeds largely on the needles of spruces and other conifers, is famous for allowing visitors to approach very closely before it explodes into flight. The fact that it allows such close encounters has earned it the nickname Fool's Hen. It relies on its camouflage coloring to prevent it from deserving that nickname. And here's one more hint that will narrow down the options, uh, courtesy of the great Curly Howard. Look at the crowd! Look at the crowd! All right, a little clue there for... um, uh, fans of uh, the Three Stooges on our Mystery Bird Contest 781-837-4900 is the number to call 781-837-4900 fabulous prizes from fresh cut paper you will love these beautiful bouquets that they make with a small fraction of the carbon footprint 
of imported flowers. And by the way, they plant a tree for every bouquet sold. And a big bag of our favorite coffee, shade-grown, bird-friendly, and truly delicious birds and beans coffee. Prizes on our mystery bird contest. Up next, it's uh, Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Hello, I'm Ed Begley, Jr., and wherever you call home, the sounds of wildlife connect you with a greater family of life. That's why you shudder each time you see woods, marshes, meadows, or grasslands being destroyed. You know that countless birds and other wild animals are losing their homes, the greatest threat to their survival. Among the growing number of threats to wildlife, habitat loss is the most devastating. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust offers a humane solution, working with private landowners to protect habitat as permanent safe havens for wildlife. When you hear the familiar wild voices you love, remember, your voice is the one that can speak for wildlife and for the land they call home, ensuring that it stays forever wild. To learn more, to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Down to the famous Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Mike O'Connor is there, and uh, every once in a while, Mike likes to go outside of his sphere of knowledge and talk about something very different. And uh, wait a minute, that can't be right. This is about bird feeders. I think uh, I think we've got the wrong n- notes here. Are you there, Mike? Is our other question. You're not. He's not even there. No wonder. Um, it's it's very narrow as it is. Oh, did I lose you? Your narrow uh, your scope of uh, expertise is that what you're referring yeah, to? Right, I, I yeah, see. Yeah. yeah, but but well focused though. I mean that's kind of important. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, it's well focused. It, it's, it's so focused. I don't even know what time it is right now. <laughs> yes, daylight saving time ended uh, at two o'clock this morning. I believe is correct. At least here in the east. This is true. I get up at like midnight and I set the clock and I went back to bed and my wife said, you know, you just pushed it ahead. So now I'm two hours <laughs> off today. All right. Well, <laughs> but you're early instead of late. So that's yeah, that's, right. Yeah. That's Way right. early. I, I've been sitting here for four hours waiting for you to call. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be worth it for sure. You're going to talk about bird feeders and how to choose one. There are a lot of options out there, certainly. So, um, yeah. You, you, you yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. This yeah. is like getting towards the gift-giving season or the fall when yeah. sometimes people replace their feeders that are worn out. And, and you know, and just about every place sells bird feeders, not hardware stores, department yeah. stores, and most of them are kind of low-quality. They're meant to be used for a little while, and then the squirrels chew them up or they mm-hmm. fall apart. But there was one company a bunch of years ago, over 50 years ago from Rhode Island, uh, Droll Yankees, that yeah. came up with a really well-made, well-thought-out feeder. It had a high-quality tube, a polycarbonate tube that was really tough to and it lasted forever, and the parts, like the perches, the seed ports, the top and the bottom were all metal, so they didn't get chewed by the, the critters, especially the squirrels, mm-hmm. and they lasted a good long time. If anything ever happened, this Drolanke company would replace the parts. So if you had yeah. trouble, you call them up to send you a part. That was great for about 50 years. Sadly, they got bought out by a much larger company, mm-hmm. and this much larger company, according to my complaining customers, wants nothing to do with customer service so so if you buy one of these fairly expensive feeders and they're worth it except that there's a trouble there's no parts anymore available so we've stopped 
recommending one of our best best feeders. Um, But fortunately, there are a couple of other good companies. Another Rhode Island company um, is called Aspects, a little less well-known, but Aspects it's called, and it's uh, really well-made feeders. They they are best-selling hummingbird feeders, well-designed, super great hummingbird feeders, and um, they got they keep the ants out, they keep the bees out, and it's super easy to clean. And they also make these really good tube feeders, again with the metal on the top and the bottom, and the bottoms come out so you can clean them. That's a really good feeder. If you have ever have trouble, call them up, and they'll take care of you. The other company is uh, apparently one of your, I don't know if they're sponsors, but you give out their feeders during the uh, Mystery Bird Contest, is Brome, a Canadian company. And these guys are even better. They're just, they have feeders that are truly squirrel-proof, that shut down. They kind of stop all the complaints that we had to listen to 24-7 over the years because of the squirrels. They shut out the squirrels, and again, if something happens, you call them up. The people are really nice, and of course, they're nice. They're Canadian, so they're really, really nice, and they send you whatever you need. So if you're in the market for a feeder, you know, um, maybe Droll Yankee isn't the go-to feeder that it once was, but a company called Aspects or Brome that makes the squirrel busters. Those are really, really good feeders to think out. They're easy to clean, and they're well-made. And, and as soon as I can figure out the time, I'll stop this conversation. All right, and don't forget to put seed in there, right? You're still recommending that, I believe. Uh, you know, I, I haven't had time to look that up, but you're probably right about that. All right, well, maybe next week. Thanks, Mike. Okay, talk to you later. Mike O'Connor there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. <laughs> And this uh, our mystery bird here. We're back, back to this. And our number is 781-837-4900. If you'd like to have a chance to win those beautiful prizes from Fresh Cut Paper and Birds and Beans, do call us ASAP. Don't forget uh, a correct answer is not necessarily necessary because if nobody gets a correct answer, we'll do a drawing for our winner. 781-837-4900 is the number. And Heidi is somewhere in the great... Dairy State of Wisconsin. Hello, Heidi. Hi, Ray. Hi. Yeah, I'm just outside Milwaukee, and yesterday I had a gorgeous view of a long-tailed duck. Oh, it was so nice. close to shore. It was a, a dream for me. It was that beautiful of a view. Wow. The but long. Any... Yeah. You know, I just have to mention, because when you said long-tailed duck, we were talking earlier about um, the name changes of birds. And that's one of those birds that had uh, a kind of a, a name that was insulting uh, years ago, and now it is called the long-tailed duck, and it is an amazing bird to see. Well, thanks for telling us about that, Heidi. And now tell us what the mystery bird is, if you if you think you know what it is there. I think it's a spruce grouse. I think it is, too. It's two of us. Yeah. Spruce grouse is correct. That's right, <laughs> the spruce grouse, our mystery bird, the fool's hen, they call it, because you can get up so close to it um, without it um, uh, taking off. It just has that, um, I don't know, friendliness, is that the right word? Hey, we have time for a, uh, a bonus question, Heidi, if you'd uh, like to give it a try. I can try. I got my better <laughs> half somewhere else, so he just walked <laughs> off. Um, but sure, let's hear this bonus question. <laughs> All right. If you have this correct, we'll get you one of these beautiful feather-friendly bird window collision kits to keep birds from crashing into your windows. According to Doug Tallamy, professor of entomology and wildlife ecology at the University of Delaware, 
a single pair of breeding chickadees must catch. How many caterpillars to rear one clutch of young? He doesn't uh, say which species of chickadees, but perhaps they're all pretty similar in this regard. A single pair must catch how many caterpillars to rear one clutch of young? Is it A, 150, B, 1,500, C, 7,500, or D, just one, but it's got to be a really big one. That would be the Sure. <laughs> I love you. answer D, but I also love Doug Tallamy. I'm a big Doug Tallamy fan, yeah. so I know that it is C. It's 7,500. You knew it, and he knew it, and now we all know it. Yes, 7,500 caterpillars to rear one clutch of young. That is really kind of mind-boggling, but uh, apparently true. Heidi, nice going on uh, all of the above, so stay on the line there, and uh, Jesse will get your info. Okay, thanks so much. Heidi, correctly identifying the spruce grouse is our mystery bird. Um, Before we go, thanks so much to all the folks who have joined our Talking Birds Patreon. We'll give them an on-air thank you next week. Patreon.com slash Talking Birds is the address. Next week, our Debbie Bleacher will join us in the Talking Birds Science Corner. Thanks for being with us. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. And by Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com.